Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Um, we're... <laughs> we're, we're about to embark on something new. Um, Sean and I have a media services company called Four Mile Circus, and we do a podcast also called The Four Mile Circus. And this is the first time, I believe we've done like a live in front of an audience episode of the podcast. So mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you. Ooh. Thank you. Is everyone having a good time at um, where we are right now, which is the Axe Wound Film Festival in Brattleboro, Vermont? Everyone having a good time? Yeah. Yeah. So um, for this very special episode of the podcast today, we have not um, one or two guests, but a whole panel of guests who are here to discuss ancillary content for filmmakers, um, which is like, I mean, basically any kind of content or stuff one make, might make that is related to your film that's not your actual film. It might be... Uh, BTS content, it might be blog entries, it might be a graphic novel, it might be a concept album, you know, it might be, um, you know, some sort of product you make to tie in any way that you're either furthering the story, building out the world, or providing additional information related to your project that's not the project itself. And in this era, like a couple years ago, a lot of people were talking about like transmedia and cross media and being like, the future of film is there will be no films. It'll be a film and it'll be a graphic novel and it'll be an animated series and it'll be a bi-monthly curated gift basket of snacks. And like, that's, <laughs> you know, the future of storytelling and get with the times or, you know, you're behind. And I, I don't know that all that's true, but I do know that it can be very creatively liberating to not limit your world to your individual film, but get to further explore the story and characters and backstory and all of that stuff through other mediums. Um, and it can also be really useful for promotional reasons to create additional content to drum up interest and deepen audience interaction with your filmic work. Um, it also sometimes, for me at least, can feel like Sometimes I spend more time documenting the films I'm making or coming up with like creative tie-ins to drum up interest than actually making the films and that, that can get kind of depressing. So this is not a pro or con ancillary um, content discussion. It's just a discussion about how filmmakers may choose to use it or not use it and why. And so um, I'm Nicole. I'm one half of Four Mile Circus and my co-host is... I'm, I'm Sean. Yeah, I'm 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 a half of Four Mile Circus. Yeah, yeah, and we have we I have some stuff. other we have some other people here today though too, don't we? I I, I think so. Uh, <laughs> we have we have our third co-host, yeah, Christina Rea. Christina Rea, who directed Enough and Night In, which screened um, at the 2017 Axwoon Film Festival that we are currently at. Hi everyone. Ooh. Um, and we have Monica Stella Negra, who directed Flesh which mm -hmm. also screened at um, the Axoon Film Festival where we currently are. Hello. Hello, thank you for being here. And we have Lindsay Serrano who directed Beneath, which also screened here. Hello. <laughs> um, so just, you know, as we've said, this is a podcast. So as you may have inferred, it is being recorded so we're going to open up at some point the conversation to the audience as well. And this is the rare film festival opportunity where we're going to invite you to join the conversation if you have something to say, a comment, additional information, or a question. But you're not going to be an asshole if you don't have a question and you just have a comment. So that's different from usually at film festivals when audiences get microphones. Like <laughs> It's actually totally fine if you just have something to add. 
you know, and you're like, I don't really have a question, but this is one of the few times that's appropriate. But be aware if you do have a question or comment that you're being recorded and it's going to be on our podcast. So if you're not cool with that, you might want to not do that. But if you say something and you really... They could they could also just come and tell us. Yeah, like, you yeah. also, like, we're not monsters. If you if you say something and then you're like, I don't want that on the podcast, just tell me or Sean, we'll cut it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, And so... You know, I'm hoping this is just going to be a conversation. I have some questions, but um, you guys, like, just pipe up. I'm not going to be like, so Lindsay, and then so Monica. Like, just, like, if anybody says something that's of interest, just build off of it, and hopefully um, the conversation will take off from there. Oh, but first, you know, for some examples to make it a little less abstract about ancillary media, for example, um, Four Mile Circus is imminently going to be releasing Sean Mannion's debut feature film. Yeah. For which Sean came up with a lot of interesting ideas for ancillary content, and I was hoping he might share some the, with us. I, I Well, one is uh, available on VHS in the lobby to uh, purchase right now, the uh, Beneath the Black Moon, a film that uh, short horror comedy, sort of 80s satanic cult panic sort of uh, horror film uh, parody uh, that was made as a film within a film for it, but we actually made like a 10 minute long, only the best parts of the movie. So it's like, it's a feature, but we like cut it up and like only like two minutes of it show up in the feature, but there's like a 10 minute short, which we released a little while ago and well before the movie was done. Uh, there's uh, beer commercials because uh main character has a little little bit of an alcohol problem. A little bit. And so we made uh, some beer commercials that feature in the film, but are for the fake beer brand that we made for the film. In three different languages. In three different languages. So if you would like to see them in English, they're in English. If you want Spanish, Spanish. In German, German. The three languages that I studied, only one of which I actually like can speak in, really, and had to use a lot of Google um, Translate for. <laughs> The best way to translate stuff is Google Translate. Exactly. Always accurate. That's, that's Never why I, awkward. But I kept the dial. <laughs> but I kept it minimal. I kept the dialogue minimal, so I, I would screw up the least. Um, we've done a, a lot on. It's a VHS focused film. Uh, one of the reasons why the why the short is on VHS, and uh, so I've been tapping into a lot of that uh, VHS sharing. The um, various VHS tapes that we ca- gathered for uh, for props on Instagram and participating in things like VHS September that happened in September uh, and just sharing some of the things that, that were that were part of it and just being part of like the, the conversations that were going on with things that were relevant to the film. So there's a few examples from just that project, which there may be a trailer available for later this week. So... And you, and you did you did those fake movie posters oh, in the style of like '80s classic VHS yes. covers. Yes, we, we did. Uh, I, I Photoshop. Uh, Christina in a previous uh, presentation mentioned I, I do some Photoshop things, and I photoshopped some movie posters of with, but for my movie. But it was like the Last Starfighter, but it was my movie instead. Meme. And uh, or Space Jam. Space Jam. You like the Space Jam? I like one. the Space Jam one. I, that one was harder than it should have been. That Space Jam logo is very difficult to simulate. Like, I'm impressed by the graphic designer who came up with that Space Jam logo because I'm just like, that is not easy. So it was hard. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's some Those of the, are some examples. 
those are some of the kinds of things where, you know, if you think of like the Star Wars universe, they, you know, it's animated series and graphic novels and novels and all sorts of things. Um, Mr. Robot does this well right now, I think. They have apps and they had last season the the very excellent short fake 80s horror film the careful massacre of the bourgeoisie which plays a pivotal role in season two of the show and also you can like go online and watch the actual film they made for the like film within the show and that's an example I like but we're going to talk about some things that those of us here do or don't do and I mean Lindsay has uh mass grave pictures productions and Monica has Audrey's Revenge, um, Creative Collective, which I'm really interested in because you work not only with filmmakers, but artists of other sorts as well. And I'm really interested in how that informs your approach to stuff other than the actual film itself. And Christina has Congested Cat and runs the IndieWorks um, monthly film sc- uh, screening series in New York, which is also a like free community event, that which I think might play a role in her approach to things. So I'm wondering if we could just go around and if you could each, you know, say a little bit about if you do anything with extra filmic content and what and why. So we'll start with Lindsay since you're right here looking since at right me. Right here. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny that you said that about yours, Sean, um, because for our first feature, Blood Slaughter Massacre, we did very similar things um, in that we took a lot of um, even independent filmmakers that we work with in the New York community, and we actually made VHS tapes of their shows. Uh-huh. Um, and so we actually did a little cross-promotion with our friends, or, you know, the, uh, the filmmakers. And we also had a movie, we had a girl's slumber party where they watched The Attack of the Brain People. So we shot a short film, which is about 10 minutes long, and we used about two minutes of it in eh. Slaughter. And actually, everybody loved it so much, we ended up making a web series off of it. Huh. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm Pretty comfortable doing things like that. I also have a podcast, which is Filmmaking Sucks. Um, <laughs> oh, it's true. <laughs> um, so that's really a great resource. I, I'm finding more and more, you know, I think when people invite you into their phones or into their earbuds, um, you get a lot deeper of a relationship with people. Um, so I feel like we have a lot of relationships that we're building just from having the podcast alone. Um, where like a lot of people are reaching out on Twitter and I'm constantly having conversations with people, you know, I create these insane hashtags every episode. And so it's kind of become a running joke amongst our fans. So it's, you know, we do have lots of different ways of just outreaching towards the community. Um, so Audrey's Revenge, um, film collective was my brainchild that I created in 2015 and I wanted to keep, um, this kind of like communal aspect to it. I wanted to actually link people, more specifically uh, QDI BIPOC, which means queer, trans, intersex, uh, people of color, um, um, who have a sincere interest in horror and science fiction, um, but don't necessarily have the resources or the the educational know-how of like how to actually do it. Um, and in my experience, I feel like collective efforts, um, when you bring those people together, everybody has their own skill set, and then you can create something from there. Um, and as far as like, so Flesh is the first and only movie that I've done so far, but I've been working on an anthology series that I've been working with uh, other members of the collective to just keep the aesthetic of like what I want Audrey's Revenge to represent. And it's named after Audrey Lord, who was a famous black lesbian intellectual. Um, and I, I pretty much just want to bring 
our stories to the forefront because you don't really see or hear like uh, a lot of our narratives in that particular sense, um, especially within horror. Um, so I did like the Vengeance Anthology and we covered like a lot of subjects from um, anti-blackness and being a queer black femme and like trying to infuse that with like elements of like horror. So it's like a bit more gory because I mean, that's what it feels like, you know, when you deal with like these certain oppressions like in life. Um, and yeah, mostly it's just because I, I have to keep the, the projects going because I, I still need to uh, get all the materials that I need in order to bring other film ideas to the forefront. So it's like just kind of trying to get people to see like what we're trying to do and just like try to keep that, um, I don't know, just to try and stay visible, I guess. Um, and like, um, I think it also keeps people involved like on social media, like I'm obsessed with Instagram, like it's 10 times better than Facebook, like Facebook can suck <laughs> all balls, but, um, yeah. we agree. <laughs> I agree. that's our official position um, as a company. Cause I feel like people are, are a bit more, um, they're a bit more willing to engage with like visuals and like actually getting a story from that. And it makes it a bit more personable to like bring it into like their newsfeed like every day, but without like having that, um, the harsh opinions, like, every, you know what I mean? Cause like Facebook can get, I, I don't think that we're allowed to have like that many emotions, like, or be exposed to that many emotions or opinions like every day, like it can actually affect your psyche. So I feel like if we just keep up like the visual representations of what we actually go through, that actually keeps people interested in what we're actually trying to create. Mm. Well said, yeah. yeah. Christina. Um, so with Congested Cat, I, you know, I, as a filmmaker, like to dabble in different genres and, and there are common threads in my work, but it is every piece is sort of its own thing. And so what I try to do is keep my audience engaged, um, largely on social media, but also like through blogging and and offering behind the scenes access through like videos and interviews with the people that worked on stuff to, to engage them with me and my collaborators so that you're not just like a fan of this one particular thing, but you're a fan of what we do and, and how we've grown as artists. And so that's kind of how I use this extra material outside of the films themselves. Uh, IndieWorks is kind of an extension of that. We, that My motivation to create IndieWorks was because I felt like in New York there's a lot of film festivals and film series that kind of exploit filmmakers and, and um, you know, they'll screen your work but they have headcount demands of how many tickets you have to sell or it's just like, you know, a lot of you just kind of show up, watch your film, and you leave. And it was like 15 bucks at the door. There was no engagement with the audience or with the filmmakers. And, I, and, and they would kind of use like the New York City brand of like, you want to screen in New York, so this is worth spending money on. And I didn't like that. I wanted to create an environment where, you know, you didn't have to tell your cast and crew they had to pay to watch the film that they worked on, probably worked on for free. Um, and... And that you would get to be able to discuss the work in a, in a supportive but, you know, slightly competitive environment. And and so the Q&As of IndieWorks are really kind of the thing for me. I love our Q&As and, and engaging the filmmakers. And so I have a strict rule that we don't screen our own content. Um, we are we run it, the Congestive Cat team. We are a production company. We're filmmakers, but we don't screen our own stuff, um, especially not in competition. And um, it is a way to support the community, but, of course, there is, like, something um, beneficial for us in that we are making connections with our peers and we're kind of putting our brand out there. And so a big motivation for me beyond 
my own desire to support other filmmakers and have this space is to say like, okay, most people in New York, they hear indie works, they think congested cat and they, they know me and they know our work. Um, and so that's, I try to create like an umbrella where everything sort of circles around and, and you never hit a wall. So it's kind of like, oh, you discover this project and that could lead you here. Or you come to IndieWorks and that may lead you to check out our work. And and yeah, so I don't do too much like like film within a film type stuff. But I am a fan of, you know, Easter eggs. Like, for instance, I had you create um, d- fake DVDs, VHS tapes of my past work for a shot in my feature, my second feature about a donkey. Nicole was the art director for it. Um, and so, like, that kind of stuff, I like Easter eggs, where I sort of, like, reference my past work. But it's not necessarily something that goes out beyond the film itself. Cool. It seems like all three of you, some of what you're talking about is very much about community building and about creating this, what I'm now calling extra filmic content, which that can be a new buzzword. Why not? Right? Sure. Hashtag extra filmic content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like if we ever do that thing we talk about, about like going down to Wall Street and trying to get like rich businessmen to invent, to like get into film by giving us money, we can say like extra filmic content and they'll be like, oh yeah, extra filmic content. Yeah, I think you have to add like the synergy of before that and I think that'll be the the, the big sell right there. Synergy of extra, uh, hashtag synergy of extra filmic content, TM. TM. Don't forget forget the TM. TM is very important. Um, But so so community, extra filmic content. Um, It's like, it's kind of a fine line or maybe there's not a line, maybe it's a gray area between promotion and community building, right? Like, what's your audience, what's your community? And I, I don't think there's always a clear line there, nor do I think there has to be. You know, that's it's not, it's not necessarily bad to self-promote. It's something that we all have to do as filmmakers. It's something that I personally find in somewhat distasteful in a lot of contexts, and I'm wondering if any of you have similar feelings about that and if that affects, like... How you how you do these things, like um, what you were talking about, Lindsay, with your podcast and how that reaches people and deepens the relationship, that doesn't feel tacky to me. Yeah. That feels very authentic and genuine. Or Monica, what you were saying about Instagram and the problems of Facebook, but what it means <laughs> to be like visually representing things and how that resonates with people and uh, drums up interest in your work, but not in a way that's like again, that doesn't feel tacky or inauthentic. Um, And Christina, you and I have talked about all sorts of stuff more, but um, I'm wondering if those are questions that the three of you think about or if that... Yeah, sometimes I get really anxious where I'm like spamming like my Instagram, like uh, if I have like an Indiegogo campaign or something like that, like I kind of feel like awkward, like always being like, hey, I need money. Like you guys should click on this link, you know, like doing that like once a week or something like that. But I also feel like um, one of the important elements of creating a community, especially with other artists, is that we have to support each other's work in order to actually like get our stuff out there. Like collaboration is like super important. So while self-promotion is also like good for like your own business, it's also really important to remember that you should also promote your friend's work on that same like level, just so there's like a give you know, like a some type of reciprocity, yeah. you know, so then it doesn't like blur along like those like, you know, being selfish or like only considering your work to be important enough to like, you know, blast. So, yeah. And I mean, that'll also it 
it's the right thing to do. And it also makes your shit more effective. Like when Sean and I do social media trainings, one of the things we tell people is be a good neighbor. Like, like Christina was saying in her presentation, you should be having other kinds of content other than like, here's the link to my film, go buy this thing, come to my event. You've got to be sharing other stuff more. And, you know, for everything of your own you're sharing, you should be retweeting other people, amplifying other people's voices. If you saw a like little low budget independent film that you thought was great, like say so, like don't, you know, and that also is going to pe- make people care more and be less put off when you're like, hey, come to my event, support my thing, because you're not just, you know, tooting your own horn all the time. So, it, yeah, Christina? No, I was just going to add to that, that I think it is a lot about um, sort of rem- remembering that you're a person, you know, and that it's not just like that you're a brand and that you're trying to get an audience, but you're trying to engage with people in a conversation and something that you're trying to say and and that that there's a reason. And so a lot of when I'm, you know, being self-promotional, I try and think of why, like, what is the bigger why beyond me just like wanting you to watch my movie or, you know, help support what I'm making? Why should you care? Um, and, and also I am a film fan, sort of even before a filmmaker. And, and so I do like to support other filmmakers. It's not just a strategy, but it's just like, I loved this thing. I want people to know about it. And, and, and so I find that, you know, it, because I try to have a balance, I think that people like to engage because they feel like they're engaging with a fully formed person. Um, and so I, that's something I try to be on top of. Like, not, I am obviously more active when I'm running a crowdfunding campaign or when I'm, you know, promoting the release of a film, but I try to maintain activity and and remember to like be myself and be authentic and be a person and share the way I feel about things beyond what I'm working on and like my Instagram is sort of a split between my film promotional stuff and a lot of pictures of my cats and like vegan food (laughs) and so and but it's but it's kind of like this is who I am you know uh and I think that that resonates with people because they feel like they're they're getting to know someone um and and because that's what I love about following artists too and so I think it's all about balance yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It's about balance. You know, I, I, this is a passion. I love filmmaking. Any any day on a film set, like the worst day on a film set is the best day anywhere. Um, it's truly how I feel. I mean, I love being on set. I love doing anything related to filmmaking. Um, and when I interact with a lot of the fans from the podcast, and, you know, we've had, we've connected with a bouncer boxer, bouncy boxer media out in Australia, and, um, you know, she sends me messages pretty constantly and she's like, I just made my first horror comedy and it made my day. It, it like, it really got me excited for her and it renews that like, so when I'm having a shitty day at work, it's like, I can get that message and it helps me just as a person feel good because, you know, I, I was there, I was helping her out. You know, she asked me a couple of questions. I pointed her in a direction and then she really took the ball and ran with it and just, you know, made this amazing thing out of it. And because of our collaboration, that happened. So I feel like it keeps me invigorated and energized about what I'm doing. Cool. Um, When you all are on set shooting a film, do you make a point to prioritize getting stills, um, video, live streaming stuff? Do you have someone you're telling like, hey, Instagram stuff and use this hashtag? Like, is that something each of you actively think about and plan for and why or why not? 
I think I've tried to like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Um, we're very lucky in that we connected with a very talented um, set photographer, Sarah Chapin, and she is an amazing all-around gopher. She loves getting her hands in anything. She'll iron your green screen and order food, and then she'll be taking behind-the-scenes photos the entire time. She actually played the bear in Beneath. <laughs> Uh, so hey she was like I was like well you're an extra set of hands do you want to play the bear as well and she was like I absolutely do but who's taking photos while I'm this bear and I was like I got this so I'm there with my cell phone taking the pictures just to cover her because she was actually still worried about getting the photos of the bear that she was now playing um so we're really lucky in that she's she's with us not only does a helping hand but also doing all the behind the scenes stuff so we walk away with a fair amount of behind the scenes photos um I feel like I'm too distracted on set and I'm in too many directions to do it myself. Yeah, that's wise to not do yeah. it yourself. <laughs> so it's kind of like when you let somebody else do it, then you can't really control as much like what is being said, what is going out there. You know, we've had a couple of times where somebody posted something that was like, oh, spoiler is now on social media and the film's not even done being shot yet. <laughs> so I, I think you really, if you're going to have somebody there, you really have to have a plan and have like your set regulations as to like what you can and cannot share. Um, you know, we've had times that we were like, we were shooting in my brother-in-law's apartment while he was on vacation and we cleared it with my mother-in-law who owns the house, but not my brother-in-law. So we were like, guys, do not check in on my set. Do not check in on my house and say that we're filming things. And then, you know, by the end of the day one, of course, now his apartment is all over our social media and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, more more dangers of social media yeah, for filmmakers. Totally. That's a, that's a yeah. Yeah, I I think um with Flesh, um I tried to keep like this element of secrecy. Um because also I just um when I did pull stills, it was like actually just from like outtakes of it that I knew that I wasn't going to uh release. Um but I also I'm fairly like new to like using Instagram like stories and like lives because most of the time I don't want people in my business anyway so <laughs> I'm like I'm not actually here you know what I mean so um actually my friend Miriam she's like pretty much um on me to start doing that and like documenting and I'm just like I don't want to but she yeah she threatens me um <laughs> um so, yeah, I think that that's, like, probably one of the best way to engage people, though, so they can see, like, the human element of, like, what's actually going on, like, whether you're being silly on set, so it's, like, not as serious, or just showing, like, the the companionship that happens when, like, you're doing a movie like that. Um, but I think that that would be a really important part, like, if you want to, like, I'm really into making zines, and I'm, like, I'm actually trying to figure out, like, how I can make a zine documenting, like, the whole experience that Audrey's Revenge film has gone through since 2015, and, like, looking back on, like, the times and, like, how I've grown, like, as, like, a film director, and, like, how I've actually grown with all the other people that have been involved with it, so. Yeah. That's awesome. I would love to see that. I'm yeah. always happy when people are still making zines. Yeah, zines are cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, I always have very, very tiny crews, but those crews often involve someone from Four Mile Circus, so it is helpful <laughs> that, uh, that you guys just sort of, like, naturally take photos and post them on social media. Um, I am definitely always too distracted myself to, like, be so on top of it, but I, I always try to have someone on set with either a camera or a phone and just kind of 
you know, ask them to be on top of it if depending on what their role is, or I'll just kind of blanket ask the crew to like snap photos when they can and send them to me later. Um, I, you know, with my first feature summit, for instance, I wasn't really on social media quite as much. And it's funny that you bring that up, Lindsay, because I had a, there's a, there's a death in summit that is like the biggest spoiler ever. And it's someone like gets an ax in their chest and, um, the, the prop master, she had just like made all these guts and posted a photo of the dead body on her Instagram. And like, then the, then someone came and tattled on her and told me, and I had to tell her to take it down. But it sort of, that was the first time it occurred to me that that was like an issue that I needed to make an announcement when we were making, you know, horror films that you cannot post spoilers on social media. And then maybe you would want to even just like run stuff by me if the cast is in anything that you are posting. Um, But what we did do on that set was I had someone rolling video a lot. Uh, That film was made um, in Massachusetts in the snow. um, And like it was a very ambitious shoot. It was a very um, intense shoot. And something that we did, we we built our own DIY. We did a DIY process trailer because there's like 10 minutes in a car. And and so we used a U-Haul and a flatbed and like built out this platform and and made a process trailer that way. And so we kind of did like a behind the scenes of building that. And it is kind of natural for me to want to have that content because I crowdfund so much that what I am promising the people who give me money is that inside look at like how we do the things we do. And so I, I that really pushes me to be very aware of, of recording all of that, even if it seems like really boring in the moment. I'm like, we can do something with this, you know? And so even, you know, with About a Donkey, which is my second feature, we had someone, you know, often rolling video. We just have a lot of like random footage of donkeys because we had two donkeys on set um, (laughs) that I think like we'll do something with, you know, because I find that people are really interested in just seeing the donkeys, you know? Um, It's funny that you said that, you know, with crowdfunding, that you have all that, Um, you know, for a while we were going back and forth because, you know, we'd have a podcast and it, it, does take resources to run a podcast. Um, So we had a while we were going back and forth if we wanted to try and set up a Patreon page. And when we had the conversation, I keep saying we, my husband Manny is my creative partner in all things. Shout out Manny. Yeah, Manny. Um, (laughs) uh, So we, we started this year being a lot more aware of what we could potentially do to provide to the Patreon patrons. Um, So for example, um, I'm actually building a cramp. I built a Krampus for a Harry Potter event back in July because they were promoting for their Christmas event. Um, so they had Harry Potter's wizarding school, but it was run by Santa Claus. And his brother, the Krampus, was like the villain of the whole thing. And then they had this really great little scavenger hunt for the kids. And they had to get different pictures of Krampus. Um, so if you got Krampus and Santa shaking hands, you got this many points. If they hugged, it was this many points. Um, so I built a Krampus for that and, and, um, because it was July in New York city and it's, you know, hundred percent humidity and 90 degrees outside. I ended up having to, I built him summer horns under the theory, like reindeer, like they fall off after Christmas and then he starts to grow them back in the summer. So I was hand making these horns and I literally sculpted them out of styrofoam. I just got styrofoam balls and just whittled them down into the shape of the horns and then painted them. And at the time I was like, this is this is something we could provide to Patreon. So we actually recorded like a whole little um, moment of me actually like wailing and painting and talking about my techniques. Um, we do a lot of brainstorming sessions. So we started actually uh, recording those, just hit the 
hit the button on the phone. Now you can actually hear how we come up with ideas and how we kind of build on what, you know, on a small idea into a bigger idea. So I think it's definitely like we're starting this year to focus a lot more on actually building this content. I don't know if we'll actually do the Patreon page, but it's good that at least we're building content. It's the eternal question. Like, should we start a Patreon yeah. for this podcast? <laughs> It's a conversation we've had, too. Yeah. Um, Sean, do you have any questions? You don't have to. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I was going to say that if people in the audience have questions or comments, but before that, I thought... I feel like I don't want to steal any questions from people in the audience. I mean, I feel like, you know, I don't usually have, like, the, the, the really strong questions that nobody else thinks of. So I feel like okay. I want to give it to them. Do you need a self-esteem boost? Is that? <laughs> That's what this yeah. No, no I, I, I'm, I'm, cover, I'm covering from the fact that, that I've been focused on tech and, and, and you're like, I've been I don't paying know attention to the conversation. About. Fair, fair. But like, but yes. like not thinking about <laughs> questions. Fair. Um, if anybody in the audience has questions or comments or anything else, we have a microphone right there that if you could speak into it, we'll actually be able to record your voice at a level that listeners will be able to hear later. So, so profesh. Oh, yeah. Wow. We're fancy. Wow. We're fancy like that. <laughs> this is very odd to be on the other side of the mic like this. Um, I, I don't know if this was brought up because I came in a little bit late to the recording, but can you all talk about the aspect of the locations where you film and how much it impacts you as a filmmaker? Because especially in New York City, they always talk about how the city has its own personality, its own energy. Can you talk about that across the board? Um, you can talk Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so every place that I filmed at in Chicago was just like um, – like a, for the house party scene and like the concert scene, that was like an old apartment that I used to live in. Um, and we had a practice space that we used because um, I wanted to be as authentic as possible um, just because it was like a self-narrative. So I was like, these are the places that I inhabited. Um, and actually the kill scene at the end was actually right behind my apartment. Um, and I lived <laughs> right by the brown line. And funny story about that is that when we did film the part where she hits her with the rock, the conductor of the train stopped the train because he thought it was real. And like opened the thing and he was just like, yo, what's going on? And I'm just like, we're just filming a movie. And then he was like, oh, snap, get me in the shot. And it was like, really <laughs> but like, <laughs> like everybody on the train looked pissed because he just like literally just like stopped, you know, um, but I wanted to, because I feel like sometimes people um, say that uh, there's some parts of Chicago that looks like New York. I've had a lot of people like uh, be like, you know, did you film this in like, you know, Brooklyn or whatever else? And I'm just like, no, this is like, you know, Chicago, because I feel like when people think of Chicago, they only think of like the loop or like they think about like all the violent crime that happens there. And like Chicago has like a bad rep. So I just wanted to show like the places that I inhabited and just like bring that spirit into like the actual film and just also represent, you know, so. Lindsay, Christina, anything? Oh, you want to go? You, me, me you, go. me. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I kind of shoot a lot around um, not only New York, but also New Jersey. Um, and it's funny, we don't really shoot New York City as a character that is known as New York City. Um, we use a lot of locations that are um, not looking like New York City. Um, we 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 live in a really great place in Queens where we're not we're five minute drive from a tree conservatory, which is actually they have trees from around the world that they've been then planted in this parkland, and so they're trying to preserve the tree species from being like 
extinct around the world. So it's this forest that is made out of trees from all over the entire country. So it's like you can have one patch of land look completely different from the other and you're literally just turning your camera like 60 degrees. You know, it's like, um, so that's one of our, one of our favorite locations ever. Um, and the park is actually getting very popular with, um, mainstream media where we've had Boardwalk Empire down there, the tick was shot down there. Um, so it's kind of weird that, you know, that, I mean, that's our big exterior location. We shot three out of four days of brain people, um, pretty much there. We shot, uh, our first feature blood slaughter massacre there. Um, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, so that, I mean, it's kind of like that's unique, but I feel like as an independent filmmaker, a lot of the times the locations you're getting, you're kind of not officially getting them where it's kind of like your friend is like, Hey, my boss is away this weekend. I have the keys to the office. You want to, you know, come on in. So it's not really like, you can't really be public about your locations. Um, but it is super fun when we like tell people like, you know, our, our crew and cast were very impressed where we we're like, Oh yeah, Boardwalk Empire was shooting down here like a month ago. So you're like, we're like that close to being professional. So just, just be aware. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's when you have a location that is like completely like, yeah, let's do this and you can share it. I think it's awesome. Most of the time you're shooting in people's houses, like private yeah. homes, and you're like, don't check in. <laughs> this is my mom's house. It's funny. We shot Blood Slaughter Massacre, like 90% of it in my parents' house. Um, and so when it came to do the DVD cover, we're sending it to a cover artist. And he, you know, so we sent him a bunch of reference photos, and he was going to make us something and surprise us because he's a friend of ours. And uh, so he sends back this amazing cover art. I mean, it's just incredible. But there's my parents' house. <laughs> on my DVD cover, the actual house. And it was like, can you just change the, the number on the, just change that detail because that's weird, you know? And my parents, like, they got a poster and they're like, this is our house. And they actually got like a plaque made and they're like, principal uh, set a, a location for principal photography of Blood Slaughter Massacre. <laughs> and they actually sold the house recently and they left the plaque for the oh, new homeowners. Awesome. <laughs> nice. And a couple of blood spots too. Yeah. <laughs> that you can't get those out. The no. blood spots. No. I, I, yeah. Yeah. White carpeting. Why would you put that there? <laughs> um, so I also live in Queens. Um, I really don't shoot in Manhattan just because like the headache that that is. And so I don't think that anything I do ever really reads as like New York, what people outside of New York perceive as New York. Um, I, I do shoot in Queens a lot, and I, I shot a web series throughout Brooklyn, um, and I, I tend to go for, like, neighborhood feels. I, I grew up in the suburbs and also just, like, watching horror movies growing up. They're often set in the suburbs, so I'm always attracted to the suburbs um, in anything I do or, like, you know, isolated woods, which is where I shot my first feature. Um, and so, you know, I shot my second feature at my mom's house in her backyard <laughs> and like at other family members' houses. And I think that locations for me are largely like, what can I get? Mm-hmm. You know, um, this needs to be set in this kind of place. What do I have that will make that work? Uh, yeah. So fun story. My um, summit was shot in two locations. We had a house for our exterior and a house for our interior. And the interior house was um, – being flipped so this guy was like in the process he just bought it and was in the process of flipping it so he just kind of let us shoot in it for four days um i did the same thing yeah <laughs> awesome um but there was a wall that had not yet 
been like closed off. And there was a local paper um, about our shoot, uh, a story, local paper story about our shoot. And so every all the cast and crew signed it and we put it in the wall and then they like closed it up. And so I think that's kind of cool that like someone might discover it one day if they knock down yeah, the wall. Yeah, we did the same thing. That's so funny. That is really We're like on the same page. Today. Yeah. <laughs> we I, just, I, we I, made I, the same movie. We're just like <laughs> the same person. I, I, I finally have a question. Yes. My question is, would you like to play a game? Oh. Did yeah, we play games you, on this podcast. Would you guys like to play a game? I was yeah. going to warn you at the beginning, I, I, I and then I, just, I forgot. I, I, gonna, I, rem- I remembered, and then I was a little, a little afraid. Wrap up soon. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, okay. so, so would should you? we say, yes, are there no. any less, last questions, or real quick? No? No, we'll just go into the game. That's do, fine. Do, no, do, but do you want to? I'm, I always want to play a game, Sean. Okay. You know this. Are we just trying to get somebody to say, do you want to play a game? No. No, no. I am just. I was just I was just being, I don't know, weird. I don't know. Uh, for so for, for people, which is probably most of the people in the room who aren't familiar, we like to play a little trivia game at the end of every episode. And it's usually unfair. Yeah. And it's Nicole, always unfair. Yeah. It's okay. It's kind of the point. Ni- Nicole asked me to make it particularly unfair today. <laughs> She's like, you really Thanks, need to make it. Because sometimes, sometimes it's a little easier. Uh, so I, I tried. But I also tried to make it thematic. Uh, this is the third year of Axe Wound. Uh, so I'm I'm making it relevant to those elements. Right, do we? Do you have a prize for them? A pen, like you often give, or um, some change? Uh, I, I, I have I, some I, lifesavers. Pocket lint. Yeah. I, I might have an old receipt. <laughs> yes. If you guys want a receipt, I we, can do we that. We could give them a shiny button. Oh, that you they know could what? Get you know what you guys free. can have. Uh, I've got my oh, the stickers that we're not giving away. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. I'll give you guys a sticker. Sweet. So whoever can get whoever can get more than one of these, how's that? You can have a sticker. Sure. Do want, All right. I think I should, should I not play this time? No, you can play this time. Okay. I made I made a point of making it difficult for you too. Oh, thank you. See, I'm 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 including everybody. I'm including I, I appreciate everybody. That attention. Yeah. Just uh, questions listen. about you. So just Sean. Uh, they definitely relate to that to make it harder. <laughs> uh, all right. So question one. Axes are used to chop wood for fireplaces. Uh, in what state did my brother hit his head on a fireplace <laughs> during his first attempt to walk? Uh, was it A, Arizona, B, Alaska, C, Alabama, or D, Arkansas? Such a question. Alabama. Wait, how old was he? He was first learning how to walk, so he's like, I don't know, like one. Alabama. All right, we got we got Monica saying Alabama, Alaska. We got Lindsay saying Alaska. Christina needs to answer before me. Oh, guess first. What were? The Wait, there's four of us. So we, if we each take a different one. What were the other? We options? could win this. I don't need it a was sticker. Arizona, <laughs> Alaska, Alabama, or Arkansas. I'll just go with Alaska. We say I got two Alaskas. I got an Alabama. What do you say? I don't know the age gap between you and your brother, so I'm yeah. gonna guess Alaska. You're also gonna guess Alaska. Yeah. Monica gets it right, Alabama. Wow, good for I you. We couldn't be Alaska, but I thought, it, just, I was it was like, just so oh, simple. It's it was a like, trick oh. question. So it has it's, to really be Alaska. No, <laughs> no, no it's just thinking. it's just tricks. We were it's visiting my grandparents. Grew up in Alaska. We were visiting my grandparents. Sweet. See, that's why I, I knew you two knew I grew yeah. up in Alaska. Right. Uh, all right. So question two: Wounds are unpleasant. <laughs> uh, how did I injure myself? <laughs> like, uh, how did I Im- injure myself in such a way that I lost the toenail on my right big toe uh, when I was 16? Um, it's back now, but it, it, it was gone for a little while. Um, 
was my foot run over by a car? Uh, was it by moving a couch? Was it skydiving or was it dancing? I say run over by a car. Okay, so Lindsay says run moving over by a, a car. couch. Christina says moving a couch. Dancing. Monica thinks it's dancing. I'm definitely voting for moving a couch. Oh, Nicole and Christina voting for moving a couch. And it was moving a couch. Yeah. Oh, Sounds like it, it was like stuck <laughs> against the floor and it like we finally got it loose and it went bam right into my toe. It was very wow. unpleasant. It was at school too. But it didn't fall off right away. Not that anybody needs to know that. But Can we get I don't some know. more details about your toenail place? <laughs> no, see, no, I theoretically, I want to know your your theory now. Is this like the same big toe you've had your entire life, or is this now a new second one that you had to get to know because it was completely replaced? Oh, the new oh. toenail. Mm. That got deep. I feel like it's. I feel like it's. I feel like it is. It is a little different. Yeah. It okay. is a little different. It feels a little different. It talks to me differently. I don't know. Um, it's got a real attitude. It could go either way, though, because it just so makes last, me mad that it fell last off. question, Nicole's just like, this is not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not down with the direction this is going. So, uh, last question. Uh, I was three in 1986, so third year of Axe Wound. I was three in 86. Keith Hernandez was a member of the 1986 New York Mets team. Which sure Keith, was. which of the following Keiths is the best? <laughs> Uh, the kid I knew in elementary school named Keith, actor Keith David, journalist Keith Olbermann, or this is a dumb question. <laughs> this is a dumb question. I have a really bad ex named Keith, so. Oh. All right, we've got. That's it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, a, that, that's a that's a fair answer. <laughs> that's a fair answer. Anybody have a different answer? I can you. Oh, uh, I can, the uh, options. The, yeah. the options are the kid I knew in elementary school named Keith, uh, actor Keith David, journalist Keith Olbermann, or this is a dumb question. <laughs> Keith David. Okay. Well, Monica says it's actor Keith David. A. And, Keith. and Christina says the kid I knew in elementary school named Keith. Yeah. I'm actually going to go with Keith David also. And the correct answer is Keith David, but also this is a dumb question. So either, works, so. either one works. So at least I got one. No, no. The, okay. the, 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 kid I, the kid I knew in elementary school named Keith was a jerk and he was a racist and he was weird. I was like, so, there's no way that, that Sean has something nice to say about some kid he went to school with. <laughs> yeah, that was my thought too. <laughs> well, that was, that, was, that was the questions. Did, did anybody get more than one? I, it, I think they maybe they all get stickers. Got, they both, everybody gets a sticker. Everybody gets a nice big sticker. Sweet. Yay. Yay. Round of applause for our winners and guests. Um, so before we wrap this up, I think we should have them go around where can and people find more. Where, where, tell us, tell us what you've got coming up next and where people can find you online and any anything you want to promote, anything like that. Okay, um, I'm really simple. I'm all in one place. Massgravepictures.com. Uh, that's where the podcast is. That's where all of our film information is. On Twitter and Instagram, I am Mrs. Massgravet, like a rocket, but for mass graves. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. Oh, and also Filmmaking Sucks has a Facebook page of its own. Um, so you can find all of my stuff at audreysrevengefilm.com. Um, we have the same name on Instagram and also on Facebook. Um, I have a short film that I'm hoping to get made soon, and I'm also working on a feature, my first feature film, which is about um, the Gibbons sisters who are from England. Um, 
It's called The Two Sisters. I've been working on it for like the past year and I'm actually starting to get an, an idea of what the hell I'm doing with mm -hmm. it. So hopefully in 2018, I'll be able to talk more about that. But you can find all of my Instagram ramblings and all that other stuff because I don't really do Facebook that often. So uh, ChristinaRaya.com will link to everything. Congested Cat, my social media, IndieWorks, everything, all my films. So. And, and we're Four Mile Circus. You can find us at FourMileCircus.com, Four Mile Circus on Instagram, Twitter, and the Cursed Facebook. Um, we, For those who are actually here physically right now on this day when we are recording, we have a mailing list outside. Please sign up for it so you can join our club. We don't have a mailing list. It's a, it's a club. It's a club. <laughs> do, I get a, do I get a, do I get a membership like card? Yes, you do, actually. Yeah. Oh, That's shut an up. excellent I'm, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to send out new ones in the, for the new year. Yeah, but, for, tw yeah. In, for 2018, we'll be sending out a whole new round, but you, you can get the 2017 one now. Sean actually designed a membership card. That's for amazing. the Four Mile Circus Club, like, like yeah, like back when you were part of like the Burger King Kids Club or nice. something, yeah, like or that. the Bob Fan Club. Oh, I asked that question. You may have missed it because everybody was talking, but I was like, I want a membership card, and she's like, you get one. Oh, yeah. And I was like, nice. Yeah, yeah. Wait, do, you gets do you give out birthday gifts? You know, no, but we might start. We, sh we, we, okay. we give a reward saying there'll be a gift you actually want. Okay, all right. I was just asking, like, do I get like free ice cream or like? We can send you free something. Nicole will definitely buy you buy ice cream. Nicole's buying everybody ice cream. Sweet. Oh my god, can we get like a punch card for every time you download an episode? You can, like yeah, totally. And then we get something. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. well, well, it's it's a punch card for for being on the show. That's why Christina keeps showing up. She's yeah, that's why Christina. <laughs> so so we should probably wrap up. So. Yeah, we should we should wrap up. So um, I already said where you can find us online. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and makes us happy. And so Robot Chef isn't still the most recent review from a while but ago. I still appreciate Robot Chef. We really appreciate Robot Chef because we don't know who that person is. And we're like, <laughs> wow, thank you, Robot Chef, for giving us five stars on iTunes. So uh, be like Robot Chef. And uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>